Part two of session 81. Let's finish here the cycle of the body in the archetypical mind. Let's begin. In the beginning of this session, we started talking about the conversation of Don and Ra that had to do with the effect, the wearying effect that Carla was feeling. And that led into a whole discussion about the nature of the contact with Ra and how that was affecting Carla curiously in her crystallization, in the way she was being more transparent. And there's a whole um, conversation that developed there. And I ended up just before the conversation took a turn into the archetypical mind again. So we have fresh material to begin, fresh material and fresh um, topic that it's been discussed in this session. So I don't have anything to remind you or introduce uh, other than maybe a, yeah, a reminder that uh, I'm not a student of the Tarot or the archetypical mind for that matter. So I can just comment on what I know. I have, I have uh, delved into different interpretations and listened to people talk about it. And I have read it by reading the raw material. So I do have some information that may be helpful in constructing an idea, uh, but this is just a strong invitation on for you to go study it yourself, uh, because there's a lot more that you can that you can get based on what you know so far, and I think that's what Ra ultimately suggested anyway. So that. And I think I wanted to say something else. Oh, yes, the cycle of the body is the material that we have less information on or of the whole archetypical mind. There is very little uh, discussion on, on the body cycle. So that's it. Uh, the last information I'll share is that my allergies are still very much active and I am drinking my tea, which has nothing to do with allergies, but that's it. That's all I, I wanted to share at this point. And now we can start with the fresh material. Question 11 is what's going to start us up with Don saying, going back to the previous session, picking up on the 10th archetype, which is the catalyst of the body or the wheel of fortune which represents interaction with other selves. Is this a correct statement? Ra says, this may be seen to be a roughly correct statement in that each catalyst is dealing with the nature of those experiencing experiences entering the energy web and vibratory perceptions of the mind-body-spirit complex. The most carefully noted addition would be that the outside stimulus of the Wheel of Fortune is that which offers both positive and negative experience. So we discussed already matrix and potentiator of the body, and that's why we're jumping straight into catalyst. Now remember, there is a cycle, it's matrix, potentiator, catalyst experience, 
significator, and then transformation in great way. So we're dealing with catalyst, which is a third in the cycle of the body. And I think it would be 10, oh yeah, Don just said it, 10th <laughs> uh, archetype. Okay, <clears throat> so Don is equating this to the interaction with other selves. And I guess this also comes from Ra's own uh, suggestion that there is nothing like dealing with other selves. In fact, dealing with other selves is what accelerates the majority of the catalyst in our life. And Ra agrees that it is roughly correct. I would, I'm going to expand on this, of course, because it's not just other selves. That's not the only thing we interact with. Um, although it is one of the most powerful, as Ra said. So they actually say, I think this is most um, complete, is <clears throat> each catalyst is dealing with the nature of those experiencing experiences, <laughs> entering the energy web and vibratory perceptions of the mind-body-spirit complex. So let's, let's put some foundation here in what the body is. I have often said that the body extends beyond what we think is the chemical construction that we have around us. And because we cannot experience the body unless there is an external stimuli, uh, stimuli, right? Without that stimuli, we have no idea that our body exists. So I know I have a skin because I have things to interact with. Even air is, is part of it. So what is to say that my body just is limited here? It's only that the bag of skin creates the, uh, the layer of connection with everything else. So the interaction of the body is everything that is coming in contact with at the moment. You see, everything else is the mind and the mind just remembers past interactions. That's all it has. So it's a repository of body interactions in the past and fashioning mental experience is also a function of the senses of the body. If you want to see how true this is, try to think anything that has nothing to do, try, try to have a mental experience that doesn't have the five senses. Or at least a combination of them. So, you see, uh, the energy web of the body and vibratory perceptions. So, everything is vibration, everything is perceived in forms of vibration. So everything that is outside that we receive that is part of the, the body's catalyst because it produces that interaction that we need to further know ourselves and experience ourselves, mostly. Ross says the most carefully noted addition would be that the outside stimulus of the Wheel of Fortune is that which offers both positive and negative experience. 
So it seems like the I, again, I'm not big on the symbology of the cards, but I know the Wheel of Fortune is the name of this card, and it has a wheel with eight spokes, and it has, I believe, positive and negative, of course, moving the wheel. And so all of this seems to indicate that that which is the external stimuli, that which comes uh, out from the body, right? that which we perceive is offering positive and negative catalysts, actually catalysts that can be fashioned into positive or negative experience. So, yeah, there is, um, there is much more, of course, to analyze and explore in, in this archetype. Um, I can only add in, for example, it's called the Wheel of Fortune, right? And... Um, it seems that most of the things that happen to us, uh, especially in the body, are, and certainly in reality, it seems out of uh, luck, right? We have luck. Luck is another um, word that we have for karma. Karma is a little bit more intricate because it takes into account, at least it takes in the definition, it takes into account that there, that there is a reason why you are receiving this. And this is because of previous uh, interactions with the world. So karma in general is neutral. It's just how we interpret it and how we uh, transmute it, of course, in our experience. But that's also another thing that is related to, to me, to this archetype, or at least is not the only part where the karma can be seen, but uh, it looks like it is, it's very much related to it because catalyst, again, is a function of karma as well. So if we look at the Wheel of Fortune as also being part of our karma, then we can see maybe a little bit more in there. So I think that's all the comment I can make on this. Let's move on. Question 12, Don says, the 11th archetype, the experience of the body, represents the catalyst that has been processed by the mind-body-spirit complex and is called the enchantress because it produces further seed for growth. Is this correct? Ra says, this is correct. And see, we, uh, in the cycle of the body, um, let's put it into context. Because we, we have experience so far, and we're going we're gonna to skip the significator because uh, Don said that they already talked about it, but I don't remember them talking about it at least extensively, so I can barely comment on it. Um, but yeah, the experience of the body represents the catalyst that has been processed, and it's called the Enchantress. I think I've heard that Enchantress is not what it's called usually. I don't know why Don said uh, I think strength is associated more with it. Um, and I remember the, the card being, uh, there's a lion there. And there's a woman sort of uh, very unaffected by the, the, the lion's presence. So it has been tamed or dominated, who knows. Um, 
and it produces further seed for growth. I wish there was more information here, but there's not. And I'll just recap that the function of the body is for us to have experience. And um, in the current density, which in this case is third density, of course. And this experience of, is also being used for polarization. So how you perceive your body, and again, it's not just the physical body, is everything that is around you is your body, how, how everything reflects out of you. Because ultimately what you are is pure consciousness. This consciousness has a movement, which is the mind, and the mind is what has all the biases, karma and um, plans or purposes and imbalances and so on, distortions, etc. So how you, you use the body for the polarization of this mind-body complex or mind-body-spirit complex is uh, what is determined. And if you look at the body, again, as being the vehicle in which you polarize yourself, I can't help but think that there is a view of the self as a separate entity and for that the body needs to be considered in a certain way and as a positive being you're looking at the body from the sense of unity meaning that this is just a uh, another thread in the fabric of reality and what I essentially am, which is this infinite consciousness, has a certain desire to be manifested through this body. So however we interact with reality and potentiate these, uh, these polarities, that is going to determine, of course, the experience that, that we digest. And as Don said, provide further seed uh, for growth. So, yeah, there is, um, there is the recognition of the body being the vehicle and this vehicle being the vessel in which the creator can actually polarize positively by becoming that which is and simply allow that which is happening or allow the, the separate self to take over and create this whole uh, new perspective of separation. And that's another experience, you see. So there needs to be both polarities here. And it's the use that we have with the body and the environment or our immediate environment and how do we deal with it? How do we use our body in certain relationships, in certain um, specific um pleasures that we have or uh, how do we listen to the body as well there are so many things that can derive out of this because it's not just the basic needs of the body it's just how we use the body to interact with each other and to satisfy what we believe are our needs or our actual needs and so on so there is a lot to be considered here in terms of how we communicate with the body 
that's another thing I would say is that the the body has this inner intelligence that we can pay attention to and when we pay attention to what the body is saying then we can have a better relationship with that which it wants that which it needs and that which is detrimental or beneficial to us you see so listening to this intelligence of the body also is is another factor into the fashioning of experience for whatever it is perhaps let's bring it to a very simple example of diet diet is one of the principal um, elements of how you maintain your body and exercise as well um, anything that takes care of the physical body is and like i said it's not just these basic needs of maintenance but also how do you share your body with other people what do you do with the body do you what does the body wants to do you know in terms of uh, creating or sharing with others or uh, simply what does the body want to do what do you want to do with this vessel here you see so this can go and deviate into a whole conversation on um, what is your purpose and I don't mean looking for your purpose in a vision or something which can happen I guess but yeah what is your purpose what, what do you have in mind what do you want to do with the body do you want to play music do you want to paint do you want to talk to people do you want to help others do you want to uh, sculpt things what does the body want to do see all these things are important parts of our life that need to be considered and given enough contemplation and development for for it to or allowance i should say from our um from our own limitations so yeah the experience of the body is what's going to essentially feed the significator for the significator to um to polarize to to uh to make that decision of what it wants so let's move on question 13 don says we have already discussed the significator so i will skip to number 13 transformation of body is called death for with death the body is transformed to a higher vibration body for additional learning is this correct Ra simply says this is correct and may be seen to be additionally correct in that each moment and certainly each diurnal period of the bodily incarnation offers death and rebirth to one which is attempting to use the catalyst which is offered it so beautiful beautiful part about um, the archetype of death in the body now the immediate association that we will have with this is physical death so the transformation of the body is at the end of your life right no that is of course a major cycle and with the word cycle i'm not re referring to uh to the body cycle of the archetypical mind but a simple cycle okay let's just talk about cycles 
One lifetime is a cycle for sure. Um, as Ra suggests, is also a diurnal cycle. So you wake up, every time you wake up, you have been rebirthed, uh, reborn, and you die every night. Okay? So that is another cycle. Then there is the cycle of meditation, for example, which can happen every other minute or every second, or it doesn't matter. You just simply stop thinking. When you return, or contemplation, this usually happens with people who just uh, naturally go into contemplation mode, and suddenly the, somebody or something stirs them from their contemplation, and they say, wow, I, uh, I wasn't here for a second. You know, they say, um, I was lost for a second, for a minute. I don't even know how long. So that's a rebirth. In any case, these are all signals that our perception can fluctuate. Our awareness of perceptions can fluctuate. And so there is always the, the possibility of being reborn, of course. Now, this is taking the, the lessons, right, of, of the experience and the whole uh, lesser cycle of one through five, which is going to fashion this experience for a choice that is going to move into transformation. And that transformation, we, we can call it death in the body because something has died in terms of what we, um, what has been transformed. So uh, certain things come and go. And again, this can be in any of the maintenance elements of our body. It can also be in our relationships with others. Uh, it can be with um, what we what we do with our hobbies or um, passions or our work, anything. Anything can suddenly change and you find yourself doing something different. And that is a transformation of the body. So we have you see in especially going back to what I was saying of how we can be reborn at any moment because all the information is there all the intelligence of the body is is always present and it's only a matter of paying attention to what is that wants to be transformed in our body um, and like I said this I know I keep saying body as is the physical chemical structure but this is related to your relationships. You need a body for relationships. You need uh, a body for working. You need a body for uh, physical activities or enjoyment of life in some way or another. So whatever you do with the body, that is part of the body cycle or at least the whole spectrum of what the development of the body is. You see? So going back to that there's always the moment in which um you can be you can be reborn 
to something different. Now, this doesn't have to be something huge, a huge transformation. Oh, I became vegan or now I um, suddenly started running every morning X amount of miles or, you know, things like that, that uh, or changing your, well, change your relationship suddenly, then that's a huge transformation, of course. But you, you follow my, my meaning. It's, it can be small things. It can be just anything that you were doing that you were tired of and suddenly you just stop doing it. You know, it could be biting your own nails. That could be something, <laughs> even though it's uh, totally related with the body. I didn't mean it that way. I mean, just anything. It could be watching uh, certain videos that you watched before. That's a transformation of what you do with the body. You see, it's your interaction constantly and what is changing. And the purpose is not just to follow changes because I need to change. I need to change is good. Change is good. No, it's following the intelligence of the body of what it doesn't want anymore. Maybe it wants to start reading books. You haven't read books in a while, so you want to read books again. That's a that's a transformation. Follow whatever it is that the body wants to. There is an, an unconscious intelligence there and it needs to be nurtured. So that is uh, transformation. You see, it, it's always taking into account. And I think the uh, the symbolism in the card of death is the is the reaper there, right? It's harvesting like body parts. <laughs> it sounds so weird, uh, but it, I I believe the symbology for what I have read is mostly about the elements within the cycle of the body. So it's it's using you know. The, the lesser cycle, uh, and I keep using Joe Cortez's um, denomination for, for these lesser cycle of one through four, including the significator, of course, and the, I think it's major cycle or greater cycle of significator transformation in great way. So this card is using the previous ones and that is the the purpose of having catalyst experience through matrix and potentiator and so the body is interacting um, constantly with the environment and there are certain things that it wants to do you know maybe it is that smoking cigarette thing that you're still doing <laughs> i don't know maybe your body doesn't want that i think uh, that's something to consider or it could be substances that you continue to use alcohol uh, drugs and I'm including plant medicine here because they are substances regardless of if you consider them sacred or not you know what is the use of all these things and why why do you uh, have a relationship with that with that or going back to people and so on so there's so much that can be talked about with the body cycle here because is is the mind interacting with the environment through this complex of the body Okay. Now, Ross says, just to reread, it may be seen to be additionally correct in that each moment, each moment, this is really important. You see, in, in Zen, uh, they kind of um, discarded the whole idea of reincarnation. I'm sure some Zen Buddhists uh, consider reincarnation something, um, something important in their teachings. But in, in Zen, reincarnation shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be emphasized. 
in Zen because you see reincarnation means that you already have settled your mind in that well I'm gonna have to come back because I don't seem to be a Buddha yet that toxic thought will prevent you from being uh, your Buddha nature because Buddha is not a person that kind of set up a standard and that everybody needs to meet <laughs> uh, Buddha nature is just recognizing who you are and living through that without uh, any problems what was the Buddha um, interested in he was interested in the end of suffering or in satisfaction so how can you accomplish that by knowing who you are simply or simply uh, remaining present it's the same thing. I mean, we use different terminologies for the same thing, but it's just about recognizing this unity between you, the apparent manifested self, and everything else. So in Zen, uh, they, they sort of just said, forget about reincarnation. You are reincarnating at every single second because with every thought, you are being, right? But if you stop thought, you stop being. You resume thoughts and you become again. So if you if you can become aware of this principle, you, you got it, you just got it. You see, because everything is there, everything is there in that pause, recognition of self, then thought, recognition of thought. So yeah, I love, I think Ra is, ex he's being Zen, completely Zen here <laughs> to say that, this may be additionally correct in that each moment. And then they go to say, certainly each diurnal period of the bodily incarnation uh, offers death and rebirth to one which is attempting to use the catalyst, which is offered that. So, yes, for, I mean, everybody is um, dying and being reborn again without, I mean, unconsciously, as I just mentioned through the process of simply thinking and in associating themselves with thinking, they are being reborn. And it seems like a stream. For most people on this planet, it's a stream of being with the thoughts. See, it's like surfing an endless wave and um, the wave crashes down sometimes and we, we get depressed. <laughs> so instead of being in a wave continuously, the seeker is using catalyst, right? And in this way, you have to pause. You have to pause to see what was the wave you were riding. You see, what was that? Is that something that I, uh, I enjoy or something that I have been doing because of inertia or because somebody told me to or because it's good for me and so on? So, I mean, the implications here are enormous. But in any case, that is what Ra is saying here to my belief. And that is a transformation. That moment in which you become aware of that in your body and you say yes in this. And th there's something more important here that is going to make it uh, even better when we move on to, to the next question, I think. So let's do that um, because we're going to finish this up Maybe, maybe not the next question, but now we'll see. Let's move on anyways. 
Question 14, Don says, and finally the 14th, the way of the body, is called the alchemist because there is an infinity of time for the various bodies to operate within to learn the lessons necessary for evolution. Is this correct? Yeah, Ra says, this is less than completely correct as the great way of the body must be seen as are all the archetypes of the body to be a mirror image of the thrust of the activity of the mind. The body is the creature of the mind and is the instrument of manifestation for the fruits of mind and spirit. Therefore, you may see the body as providing the athenor through which the alchemist manifests gold. For those of you who don't know what athenor is, I also had to look it up. It's a um, sort of forge or oven in which the alchemists attempt to um, basically turn lead into gold. So it's a, it's an oven or a furnace, something to that effect. And the question is now on the great way. So it's important here. Um, I don't see the full relationship, to be honest, in, in the card um, and the symbology because I don't study it, like I said. Um, but it seems like it's, I believe the great way always uh, contains the whole, uh, the whole cycle within it, right? Because that is, that is the alpha and the omega to me. And it is moving uh, the body into uh, further transformations, into further changes, into uh, a new risen being, let's call it. Even if it's a minor change of you not biting your nails, <laughs> which you probably should look into. Um, here's a tip that I gave uh, Julie one day because she bites her nails. And I think she stopped. Usually what happens is when you're trying to stop biting your nails is that when you, when you suddenly uh, realize that you're doing it, you stop doing it, right? It's like whenever you become aware, <laughs> the entity that was there biting the nails just runs away or flies. Uh, if you don't bite your nails and you know somebody, do the same thing with them if they're into this, which is not very complicated. Tell them or you yourself, when you become aware that you're biting your nails, keep doing it. Just do it consciously. Become aware of what you're doing. And it's gonna feel very awkward and uncomfortable because you have to be aware of exactly what you're doing. It's not an automatic process anymore. But doing that uh, will help in you. Um, I don't wanna say stop biting your nails, but just see what happens, <laughs> see what happens. So yeah, in any case, uh, whatever it is, it could be something minor or a big change. You, know, you move from your country because your body is not, um, doesn't want to be there anymore. You see, you change your body completely, a huge transformation. Uh, all of this is contained within the great way because it's taking everything into consideration and it's making that uh, that step. So this is the part that I think makes it more beautiful in, in the understanding of 
the, the body cycle is that the body is the creature of the mind and is the instrument of manifestation for the fruits of mind and spirit, right? It's the vessel in which we, uh, we engage in our physical, worldly activities. So pay attention to what the body wants to do because your mind has ideas. Your mind contains the software, let's say. Your body is the hardware in which that gets um, executed. And it's been, you see, it has the interaction with the body, uh, with the world, with the external world. So paying attention to that. Uh, again, it's just becoming aware of what you are. If I can give uh, a final thought on this is that who you are, and I mean mentally, that's why I love that they, they connect the body and the mind here, right? They, who you are is already decided for you. And luckily for you, that decision was made on love, harmony, peace. In other words, who you are, and I'm talking now about the manifest itself. The, now let me correct that. Who you truly are in your unconscious is already perfect and beautiful. We need to reveal it through these processes. So becoming aware of what you want to do and looking at the surrounding thoughts and patterns and limitations onto what you want to be, that is a huge key for you to allow this harmonious self to be, you see. Um, this, um, this line, the body is the creature of the mind. Actually, Ross said it, I think I have it around here. Where is it? Ross said it also in session five, and this is when they were discussing the disciplines of the mind and the body and the spirit. In session five, they finish with the body, and then in session six, they continue with the spirit. But they said, um, what is it? the body is a creature of the mind's creation. It has biases. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, you can go look it up um, because it's long. This this is one of the longest answers in the whole raw material. <laughs> and they only talked about mind and body. Uh, funny enough, they only answered uh, three questions or actually two questions in this session. So uh, the body is the creature, is a creature of the mind's creation. You see, so your body this, what you are, was a thought of it prior to being created and is being rethought over and over again. In other words, this body is being created by the mind, by the unconscious mind, and it's manifested in a way that is congruent with what it wants to be or what it is already, but is being prevented by, of course, the separate self, which is the identity that we have created out of the illusion of separation. 
So they say it has biases. The biological bias must be first completely understood and then the opposite bias allowed to find full expression in understanding. That's beautiful. See, the biological bias must be first completely understood and then the opposite bias allowed to find full expression and understanding. Um, and this is all part of a discussion of balancing polarities, which they also talked in the mind um, disciplines, but I won't get into that. They say, again, the process of acceptance of the body as a balance of the body as a balance, as well as polarized individual may then be accomplished. Um, so that is to me, the recognition once again of your your body as a an analog of your mind to be explored in this density in this human form so so much to get into in terms of allowing that self because that's what i see there is there is the self that has always been when you were a child that was fully 100 percent itself just needed to form itself or get used to third density human form. But a lot of, uh, of that was um, repressed and limited by the fabrication of the separate self, which we all went through. And it's just a matter of getting rid of the separate self now to allow this mature child to be spontaneous and genuinely uh, what it wants to be this eccentric self that sort of manifests and um, you can see this mostly in, um, in people who have naturally without conflict gotten away from the establishment you see from the system from culture from society and it's not a rebellious attitude it's just who they want to be you see bohemians that kind of thing hippies and so on so yeah um i love also let me just say that i love the part where they say that it is the athenor you see because the body is certainly that oven that furnace in which all experience and catalyst is being processed uh your emotional reactions everything Ra talks about the emotional and feeling system in question five as well uh highly recommend that you go read 5.2 uh, second question in session 5 and then finish it up with I think 6.1 which is the spirit so yeah we have this Athenor this body right um, in which what's happening is you're transmuting everything so it's it's the filter for experience is that which you use for creating the gold um, whatever other precious element you want to think about that you're producing and that is the transformation of the body into the polarized self of course i'm talking about the positive polarity here and that's that's that has to do with knowing that you, your body doesn't stop with the chemical, physical body. 
it's beyond everything else so oh, I can talk about this for a long time but let's continue on question 15 Don says now he's changing topics uh, away from the archetypical mind I have guessed that a way that I could enter into a better comprehension of the development experience of the development experience that is central to our work is to compare what we experience now after the veil was dropped with what was experienced prior to that time, starting possibly as far back as the beginning of this octave of experience to see how we got into the condition we are in now. If this is agreeable, I would like to retreat to the very beginning of this octave of experience to investigate the conditions of mind, body and spirit as they evolved in this octave. Is this satisfactory? Acceptable? Ra simply says the direction of questions is your provenance. So Don wants to go back in history, cosmic history. Don questions again. Ra states that it has knowledge of only this octave, but it seems that Ra has complete knowledge of this octave. Can you tell me why this is? Ra says, firstly, we do not have complete knowledge of this octave. There are portions of the seventh density which, although described to us by our teachers, remain mysterious. Secondly, we have experienced a great deal of the available refining catalyst of this octave, and our teachers have worked with us most carefully that we may be one with all, that in turn our eventual returning to the great allness of creation shall be complete. This is um, it's an interesting turn of events here, <laughs> or topics, um, because we're going... So Don wants to understand a little bit more the experience of third density with the veil, by knowing a little bit more of the prior experience without the veil. And we have made some incursions in here, but when Ra says simply, um, yes, ask whatever you want, actually, that's your privilege. Um, Don goes a little bit deeper into the question and says, all right, first, you say that you have only knowledge of this octave but it looks like you have complete knowledge of the octave. Why is that? Um, first, a refresher. When we talk about octaves, we speak of the entirety of the creation. Okay, It's not just the octave in the solar system or the octave of the galaxy. It's the entire octave of creation. So that's what Don is referring to with that octave. Now, Ra does say, uh, we don't have complete knowledge of this octave. Let's put this at the forefront. Um, there are portions of the seven density, which um, although they know some of it by their teachers, uh, that would be their guides in seven density, they remain mysterious. So they, they just know enough, I guess, um, and secondly, they have experienced a great deal of the available refining catalyst of this octave. Um, so I guess, why is this secondly? 
I guess because there is a there is more catalyst, a great deal, but not total total catalyst. So it seems like in in sixth density the process is of um, refining all the catalysts of the octave. I mean, of course, if if at some point the creator wants to return to to the self or that portion of the creator, then it needs to uh, become fully aware of everything that has happened, right? But as that awareness becomes greater and greater, then it gets closer to infinity. And that's why identity needs to be dropped. So that sort of makes sense. Yeah, because at the end they say, um, and our teachers have worked with us most carefully that we may be one with all. That in turn, that in turn, our eventual returning to the great allness of creation shall be complete. Yeah, the only return there is to drop identity and uh, any sort of uh, separation still. Work with the creation as an entity, I suppose. I don't know. This goes way beyond my, my own understanding. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. So let's move on. Question 17. Don says, then Ra has knowledge from the first beginnings of this octave through its present experience as what I might call direct or experiential knowledge through communication with those space times and time spaces, but has not yet evolved to or penetrated the seventh level. Is this a roughly correct statement? And that makes a lot of sense. Yes, of course, they're, they have. And in question 18, Don says, why does Ra not have any knowledge of that which was prior to the beginning of this octave? And Ra says, let us compare octaves to islands. It may be that the inhabitants of an island are not alone upon a planetary sphere, but if an ocean-going vehicle in which one may survive has not been invented, true knowledge of other islands is possible only if an entity comes among islanders and says, I am from elsewhere. This is a rough analogy. However, we have evidence of this sort, both of previous creation and creation to be, as we in the stream of space-time and time-space view these apparently non-simultaneous events. Uh, this is pretty intense. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into context. First, Don is asking about prior octaves, um, that Ra doesn't have knowledge or knows. Why does Ra not have any knowledge of that was, of what was prior to the beginning of this octave? So before the Big Bang, what, what was there? Was there anything? Well, Ra indicates that yes, although the Big Bang may not be the best explanation, but certainly a good analogy for this. The beating of the infinite heart, right? It beats into a new creation and it collapses into nothingness again, and then it beats it again and big bangs with every beat. 
So prior to this Big Bang, if I can use the analogy, were there entities? Was there something before? The answer is yes, according to Ra. Now, how do they know this? Because they can't travel to the to the prior octave or to the future octave, okay? So they say, it's like we're on an island and we don't have, uh, I love how they describe boats, <laughs> an ocean going vehicle in which one may survive has not been invented. <laughs> so yeah, you're on an island and you think the only thing that exists is, is your island because you have no other uh, indication of what there might be. You see water around you all over. So yeah, you're stuck there. But if somebody comes to your island and says, hello, I am from elsewhere, then yes, you have evidence that there is other islands at least, right? Unless they come from the sea, but again, limitations of analogies. <laughs> so it seems like Ra has um, had contact with uh, entities from the prior octave and of course from the octave to be. Now, how can this happen? You see, I like to um, draw similarity with our own minds because how do you know that what you are right now, right? That's This is your present octave. Um, how does your mind know where it came from? Because there are thoughts from the past, you see? There are thoughts from what seems to be the past. It's actually right now. That's what I would say. It's a, it's a simultaneous event, right? That's why Ra says these apparently non-simultaneous events, which seems to be uh, scatter in time. Space and time are an illusion, only there for experience, but everything else that underlies space and time is the whole, the creation, the allness, the one creator, etc. So, um, there's so much we can unpack here, especially that last part after the analogy. We have evidence of this sort both of previous creation and creation to be. As we in the stream of space-time and time-space view these apparently non-simultaneous events. So we look at previous creations and creations to be as part of space and time. They're going to be at a time that is in the future, obviously, and the previous octave happened in the past. You see, we, we like to see things this way. But in reality, they're all simultaneous. Now, again, with the mind analogy that I was providing is that you can think of things that forged you, speaking of transformations in the body, right? Things that forged you into what you are. And you can say, well, that's in the past. No, it's not in the past, it's right now. You see, it's happening right now. All of that is synthesized into you. You see, it's like looking at a tree and saying, oh, you know, this is the uh, uh, the offspring of, a, of an old ancestor. No, the old ancestor is living there. You see, um, it multiplies, it creates, uh, it changes and transforms. 
So follow follow this view and you can get a glimpse onto what I mean by a simultaneous event, at least from my limited perspective. <laughs> Let me just say that. Um, but everything is contained within it. It's only the awareness of it and the view of it that you can you can perceive what it is. But your mode of interaction, of course, is through space and time. So you are bound by that limitation and perception when you are dealing with other selves. Just like in your mind, you know that everything is contained there and you are the product of all of this. Yet, when you go to refer to yourself as to how did you get here? And then you go back, well, you know, when I was a kid, I used to like doing this. And then as a teenager, I forgot. But then when I was 27, I got back to it and so on. So you describe it as a process, a non-simultaneous event. But it all is happening right now. That's why there is no time but the present, right? <laughs> Everything is contained in the now. Exploring the now, exploring the here, this moment. That's what contains everything for you. All right, I think I'm going to cover a couple more questions because I'm very far from finishing this session. Let's let's just keep reading and let's see when will they take a turn. I think it's when they start talking about Ra and yeah, let's just see. Question 19. Don says, well, we presently find ourselves in the Milky Way galaxy of some 200 or so million, correction, 200 or so billion stars. And there are millions and millions of these large galaxies spread out through what we call space. To Ross' knowledge, I assume the number of these galaxies is infinite. Is this correct? Ross says, this is precisely correct and is a significant point. Don says, the point being that we have unity. Is that correct? Ra says, you are perceptive. So minor point here, uh, but important for us because as, especially me as a science man in the past, and I used to be fascinated with astronomy, meaning uh, quasars and uh, redshifting and uh, different types of stars that exist and which ones go supernova and which ones don't and which supernovas actually go into black holes and how many galaxies in the observable universe and what is the limit of all of this is actually infinite. Uh, this is actually something that used to be um, a common thought saying that yes, the, the universe has to be infinite because there can be no limitation and if there is a limitation, what is beyond that limitation? It's part of the universe. A, a universe needs to be infinite, you see? Um, and yet, in its infinity of creation, it can collapse in a second. Almost like you have an infinity, potential infinite amount of imagination, right? And you are imagining this. This is now the observable imagination is limited it seems limited because for you to imagine things they need to be limited but once you collapse it you can collapse it in a second you just go back to no thinking or simply being and there it is you know it's you just collapse it 
<laughs> so in any case, it's infinite. And that is because uh, I think Don said it perfectly, uh, that we have unity. And in unity, we have infinity. Simple as that. So getting in touch with yourself, which is the unified aspect of reality, well, that is, uh, that is the infinity in you. It's very powerful. I talked about this recently in session 80, the power of uh, unity. And that's what polarizes us. The use of that power, of course. So we can cover a couple more. Let's see. Yeah, we may stop at question 25. Or not. We'll see. Um, question 21. Don says, Then what portion of these galaxies is Ra aware of? Has Ra experienced consciousness in many other of these galaxies? Ra says, No. Don says, Does Ra have any experience or knowledge of, or travel to, in one form or another, any of these other galaxies. Ra says, yes. You can see that they didn't want to talk about this. <laughs> and Don picks it up because he says, just dot dot dot, it's unimportant, but just roughly how many other of these galaxies has Ra, shall we say, traveled to? Ra says, we have opened our hearts in radiation of love to the entire creation approximately 90% of the creation is, at some level, aware of the sending and able to reply. All of the infinite Logoi are one in the consciousness of love. This is the type of contact which we enjoy rather than travel. And I think that's a beautiful way to, um, to say, in essence, that um, we we don't want to travel. We don't want to have these experiences of going somewhere and so on. When you're open to um, to the unity in consciousness, see, this is humans too, um, because we want to explore. This is all natural. I'm not saying that this shouldn't be this way, but. Um, I guess it's the affinity then we we develop and once we have this affinity for the experience of the mystical being that we are um, travel seems unimportant I I draw a direct parallel here with the spiritual seeker who in the beginning is fascinated with astral projection and with all these psychic abilities because it's recognizing that all of this is possible yes but eventually all of this which in buddhism or in hinduism is called cities these psychic powers they stop being important because the the power of unity that sense of peace and this harmony in which you can live is beyond the fluctuations of psychic power and the events right that, that cause these um, so it's um, it's a different thing to for example seek and this is one I, I 
I see Ra talking here. It's so beautiful. See, it's there's a huge difference between experiencing uh, these magical visions of the universe and talking to entities and um, going into different planets because you visit them with your mind and so on. All of this, seeking these uh, exotic experiences. Uh, speaking of exotic experiences, people who seek with psychedelics, right? And they just want the next experience and the next one. And what else is going to bring me, you know, what kind of information about myself and my mission, my purpose, my identity, my planet, where I come from, uh, my density of uh, residents and so on. All these things that are explored constantly. You don't have to do with psychedelics. You can go on videos on the internet or here on YouTube and find all kinds of videos that are going to tell you this and that and you are this and you are... All of that pales in comparison, pales in comparison with the harmonious state of being one with everything in this moment. And I can say that by experience, because I explored all those things. I went into the limits of my capacity, which are uh, very limited. <laughs> Uh, but I did experience uh, fantastic visions and um, just mystical experiences of unity that were just uh, incredible. I mean, I can't describe them. Um, and I've done this with psychedelics, with breath work, with um, in dreams even. You see, the thing is that, to me, and I'm just talking about the, the human experience, you see. Um, they seem to leave you with your present moment as something that is dull, boring. You need more. You want another experience. That is the mind. See, the mind is always seeking experience. And that's inevitable. But when the mind is the master here and consciousness is just uh, subservient of the mind, then things start to feel awkward. They start to feel incomplete because that's the mind. The mind feels always incomplete and wants more. So it's about reverting this into consciousness being the master because it really is. It precedes the mind. And from there, every moment is as beautiful as the other. Every single experience is, is the same, you see? Um, and I don't mean the same as dull, you see? It's, um, it's the same in terms of how you, uh, you, you live it. It's not causing these, these stresses and so on. It's just, it's an equanimous state of all things just being as they are. There is a perfection in all things. There is no discrepancy. There is no distortion. And that's why Ra seems paradoxical when they say apparent distortions, total perfection and apparent distortions. 
How can it be perfect if it has distortions? Because they are apparent. They're not real. They're just there as a a play. You know, there is no background in the screen. There is no entity in the screen. It's just simple apparent distortions of the screen. The screen is perfect, it's crystal clear. <laughs> That's why we have a movie. And so living from there is better than to go and explore, right? That's what Ra is talking about here in terms of travel. They say, we have opened our hearts in radiation of love to the entire creation. You see, and approximately 90% of the creation is at some level, aware of the sending and able to reply. Of course, at the level of sixth density, this experience of the mystical experience must be something uh, very different than uh, human experience due to perceptions. However, it's the same. You see, it's the same opening of hearts in radiation of love to the entire creation is being able to see this. This is not a conceptual thing. This is a matter of being. And that's why it gets so difficult for most of modern humans who want to achieve this. It's not achievable because you already have it. <laughs> you just have to allow it to be. Allow yourself to be. And so, this is the type of contact which we enjoy rather than travel. Oh. Perfect. It's beautiful. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have to be. All right. We're going to leave it at this and we're going to finish in part three with the rest of the questions. Conclusion. Awareness of body. Awareness of yourself. Let me conclude with that. The interaction between the mind and the body is, is important to to allow yourself to be that which is spontaneous in yourself. We live in a society that is so used to People telling me what to do. I need to learn the next thing so I can know what to do and what to do. There is nothing wrong with that, of course. And I am a part of that system because people are used to that system. So I use it to my own benefit, which helps me teach what I teach. Because the truth is that nobody needs my teachings or anybody else for that matter. But because we're used to it, well, we use it. Um, this is the same reason why we have always created teachings. Because it's it's needed, and I mean teachings in the mystical sense, not other teachings, of course. Those teachings are just conceptual ones. I'm talking about non-conceptual teachings. That sounds paradoxical too. It sounds contradictory. Um, but we do create these because um, we're used to that system. But this is an invitation to go beyond the conceptual, 
and just abide in the self listen to the body listen to the mind whatever it wants to do and having no expectations of it you see it, and you see me saying having no expectations creates the desire to have no expectations that's not true no expectation mind that is a conditioned mind uh, expecting to have no expectations <laughs> which is not having no expectations so again i it all goes down to me it's it's incredible how everything goes down at least to me to the recognition of uh, your true essence who you are because from there living from there is where no expectations are born see effortless action getting used to this relaxation living in a relaxed mind that prevents the, the own the yeah the the own mind to get in the way for what it wants to do for what consciousness wants to do through the mind but we can only listen to this when we take pause when we sit down quietly when we don't even have to sit down quietly but listen to what the body is saying because we're talking about the body what it wants to do and then listening to what are the objections of the mind as to not to do it and the body may even react to that because if your mind says that's dangerous people are going to laugh at us or nobody's going to care then the body will react emotionally like that and it's going to prevent it so there's a whole communication that needs to be established reinforced and nurtured between the mind and the body what it wants to do this is the created aspect or the create creativity creative aspect yes of reality and that can be read from the the quiet self what it wants to do that in general is my advice for the whole cycle of the body and the way in which i decide to end this second part of session 81. so before i leave you i will remind you that i would love to have you on patreon if you like this videos please consider supporting me on patreon and joining others into the discussions the more people i have there the more things i can do so go check it out it's not an expensive subscription you can go and see uh, what fits you or what you want to contribute links are always in the description i appreciate that in helping me i help you and in you helping me i help you so that's all i got to say i have nothing else but take care have fun find that quiet place 
and moments in your day and enjoy it. I'll see you in part three of session 81.